Welcome back to Crash Chords Autographs. I, of course, am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. Before we get into this week's guest, I, as always, want to thank my contributors on Patreon, MJ, Case, and Rob. Thank you for contributing to my Patreon, supporting this and all the other podcasts that I do, as well as everything else I do in the interwebs, uh, in, on, around the interwebs, you know, all of it. Uh, If you too would like to contribute and get a shout out right here at the top of my show, uh, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash stormageddon and give at the $5 level or higher, and you'll get a little shout out here at the beginning of the episode. Otherwise, of course, if you can't support that way, a review and a rating on podcast platform of your choice is invaluable as well, um, so feel free to do that. Anyway, moving on, uh, my guest this week is the incredible Cassie, a.k.a. Miss So-and-So. Um, she is a burlesque performer, a producer, a musician, um, a uh, actress, kind of a jack-of-all-trades. She's pretty incredible, and uh, this is our first time chatting. Uh, I was really excited to have her on the show. We found each other through uh, some common friends, and I instantly became a fan of her music. Uh, I'm so excited to share my interview with her, with you. So without further ado, here is me and Miss So-and-So. Um, and yeah, and so it's just a casual chat. Like, I, like the episodes I shared, we'll just talk. I'll intro you, but like, I don't. Uh, it's become a trope at this point that I mentioned this, but like, I used to do formal intros and like stop the conversation so I can introduce the person, and it just never felt as good. It's never as yeah. That's why I also wanted to be here in person. Thank you. you. Were I like, appreciate we can do that. It, you know, from the phone, I was like, no, on location, in person's better. You know? Some people prefer over the phone, or if they're on the other coast. And oh, I've yeah, done so many phone interviews lately that I'm just used to doing that. Right. And so it's always an option I throw out because because of convenience. Well, a lot of people love it, right? Yeah. I bet a lot of people would take that option but I think it's just something special about being able to just speak to each other across the table you know yeah I mean? well you can't really gauge response or um, interaction as well over the phone I mean no. if someone's really personable then you can kind of get an inkling yeah. but it's always easier when you can read body language exactly. and, and actually look at each other yeah which is super exciting so um, so yeah and, and at some point during this conversation I'll have in, done, done a pre-recorded intro so I will just remind anyone who somehow found the link to this episode maybe without looking who is on it that I'm yeah. talking to Cassie aka Miss So-and-So yeah thank you for being on my show I've loved uh your EP A Night of Obsession um we were talking off air that you did a hundred percent of the work on this yes yeah. so you produced it you were you um you wrote it did you write all the music too I did I wrote everything wow yeah. that's yeah. incredible I wrote everything um I have a guy that I was working with called your neighbor var mm-hmm. um he helped me uh write some of the music as well um and did a little bit of the um music direction on that as well so he's a guitarist and an amazing friend of mine so he helped me with this album that's incredible how long did it take you to write the songs for it uh, we wrote the songs in about a week. Oh, wow. Um, really? Yeah. It was just kind of, we got together, we were jamming one night, he started playing some chords, I made the lyrics kind of immediately, and then I fixed them up a little bit, but it, the real thing that took the time was just getting 
the band together, mm-hmm. getting into rehearsal rooms, making sure everything was perfect, and then kind of recording it. It's, obviously, that was a lot of time and money and stuff <laughs> like that, too. But it, it was a whole lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I so, love it. This, yeah. the, this Between your singing and the instrumentation has this incredible mix of R&B and rock and pop. Like It's clear that you are obviously a fan of a variety of types of music because there yeah. are so many influences. And even from song to song, I can hear different Thank influences, you. Yeah, which um, I really dig. That's kind of what I was going for, actually, in the EP, because... I love all the classic music. Like, you'll hear, you know, those 60s and 70s style harmonies in the back. You'll hear some very, like, soul. Like you said, R&B, pop, rock. I'm trying to bring all of these beautiful sounds that I grew up with back to music in the new age. So I want to take what we're listening to, which people are already interested in, and remind them that there are some things from the past that actually can be really beneficial to music today and might be super exciting especially to the kids nowadays that have never really heard things like that you hear kids going oh i know who Nicki minaj is but who's ella fitzgerald and i'm like what Uh, who's ella fitzgerald like so i want to kind of bring that conversation back without taking away the good things that we found from new music today Totally, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I know exactly how you feel. I once told this conversation on this show. I think it was on this show. It might have been on a different one. um, That uh, when Sheryl Crow did her cover of Sweet Child of Mine, Mm. I had friends who were much younger than me going, I love that that song, uh, Sweet Child of Mine. And I was like, oh, yeah, me too. The Guns N' Roses song, right? And they're like, who? You mean Sheryl Crow, right? And I'm like, what? (laughs) I hate that. It drives me crazy. And it's covers, right? And even on um, Twitter, I think I saw a kid go like, oh, this new uh Freddie Mercury guy is gonna be really popular. I'm like, oh no, honey, no. Yeah. Like he's he's long gone. And like now. I mean part of it is I'm a giant music nerd, so yeah. I try and give some leeway with that kind of stuff, but yeah. it's like we have Google. It's yes. not that hard to find exactly. out all this information. Exactly. But you know, that's the thing about covers too, is like a lot of these bands are bringing back old covers and not creating their own new right. stuff. Yeah, I love covers that kind of do their own thing. Yes. Um, you know, I don't so mind an homage cover too, but mm-hmm. when you make it your own, either you should flip the genre or change the speed. Do something the instrumentation. with it. Um, yeah. uh, Weezer put out the Teal album last year, which mm-hmm. was just all covers. And while, you know, doing a cover of Africa is great for a laugh, and it was, you know, it's fun to hear a band that I know really well do a different do song. Do something I know we really love, well. yeah. But like 90% of that record, it was just them doing... Like karaoke covers. I was about to say, now we're at a karaoke party. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a difference between artists doing a cover and an artist going to karaoke. Yeah, and, just... and I don't mind it. Like, it's still a decent album, but I was bummed out also because Rivers Cuomo is is capable of so much, and yes. so is his band, and so is the whole band. And like, feels lazy almost. Yeah, just like, to actually, copy paste. The, the best song they did was No Scrubs because, like, <laughs> they, tur- they made it a little more rock and roll than yeah. the original, which was a lot of fun, but most of the other songs are just homages, which are fine, but I just I if that's the case, I'd rather you want to be the surprised, yeah, you know, and and yeah, exactly. If you can't do it better than the original, then why are you kind of trying? Unless yeah. you're going to do it your own way, right? So, for sure, yeah. Um, going back to the album, um, the first track, "Watching Me." Oh yeah, you were talking about putting in old older um, templates into new music that you're creating. Yeah, the way you pause in the chorus, the 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 beat or half a beat that you pause. That's something I hear in a lot of classic rock that I don't hear a lot now. A lot of modern rock, a lot of modern pop and R and B. It's like there's just a speed to it. Like they want to, and like, and I'm not even talking about hip hop, where of course there's a tempo and a speed that mm-hmm. is impressive. Like you mentioned, Nicki Minaj before, right? But like, I feel like there's a lot of soulful music that doesn't take that breath. And what I think so 
what I love so much about your voice and the way you deliver it on that track is you take that moment mm -hmm. and emphasize the chorus, which yeah. I think is really great. Thank you. Um, and that's actually something that I talk a lot about with my students. So I teach songwriting and, and singing and that oh, kind awesome. of thing. Um, and one of the things that I mention is the art of silence and the, the power of silence and how a lot of bands want to just hit you with the, all of the sound that they can, but they're not utilizing the beauty and the breath of silence and that idea that silence is musical. Yeah. The idea to not make a choice is making a choice. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I do a lot of that with, with my voice and things like that. I'll, I'll try and utilize silence as, as part of, you know, what the song is trying to say. And um, watching me actually came a lot from, I used to work at the Blue Note Jazz Club. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I was the, uh, I just worked with the musicians there, serving them and kind of taking care of them while the shows were going on. And uh, I say something like, uh, let's go out back for a jazz cigarette. Mm -hmm. And I learned that from um, one of the blues, like, old, old blues musicians from way back, uh, he was like, oh yeah, a jazz cigarette is like a weed cigarette. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't know this. I'd never heard of that. Scandalous. Yeah, so like, who knew? But like, there's all this old lingo that we also have lost, you know, yeah. that's coming back. But yeah, going back to what, uh, what you were talking about, beat and silence, like utilizing the voice as an instrument and knowing that it is an instrument and yeah. treating it as such, and knowing also that the singer is not the most important thing. No. Knowing that you have to hear the rest of it. It's not just my voice over top of a track that yeah. repeats itself over and over again. Like, you know, I, I love the idea that all of my musicians get really interesting, exciting things to play. And I think that that's what makes it fun to play with us rather than just playing, you know, your regular track music where you're stuck into, you know, your sure. regular kind of stuff. So yeah. it's been a lot of fun, actually. Yeah. And, and, Building on that, like, because some of my favorite hip hop artists, like, I, I like hip hop artists who are fast, who mm -hmm. are good wordsmiths, good, you know, like, um, just can go fast, slow, however they do it, but when there's really good music behind them, mm -hmm. there are a ton of artists that I listen to that have great lyrics and great uh, sense of speed and rhythm and cadence, but like the music is just a repetitive beat, yeah. and that's fine. Clearly the focus is the voice there, right. but I like when there's more intricacy behind it, right. and when they're building something behind it and have an interesting loop, maybe some electronic music, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, and some of my favorite songs also are like that too. Like, and it's not about length either. One of my favorite songs of all time, I don't know if you're familiar with the band Blur, yeah. there's a song called Song 2, okay. which has like no, barely any lyrics, but it's got heavy guitars, it's got a pacing that I really like, and it's like two minutes and 30 seconds long. Yeah. But it's the impact of the track that matters more to me than necessarily the length. Of yes. the track. And the old songs used to be very, very short. I mean, yeah. I remember back in the day when songs were like a minute and 30 seconds, and you were pretty comfortable with that, you yeah. know? And now that music has got almost more repetitive, we've also lengthened it, yeah. which is kind of wacky in a way. You would think that the more repetitive it is, the shorter we get, um, especially with attention spans getting shorter and shorter. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love the idea of poetry in music and utilizing those words but also having that canvas of color coming mm -hmm. through the back which is all of your instrumentation so like you were saying it's great to like be able to hear all this great poetry and sure that's probably what the music is focusing on but there's so many other colors that you can add in i mean there are 77 keys on a piano you might as well play them all right sure i like, can't just go back between one or two keys you know so it's that idea that like you've got amazing lyrics you've got incredible visuals um with you know how you've written it now 
what's coming in underneath, what's the bass line, what's the guitar line, because everyone who listens to music listens to it differently. Sure. Myself as a lyricist, I'm always listening to the lyrics first, then the melody, yep. then other things. I talk to my bandmates, my drummer always listens to the drums first, my bassist listens to the bass first, and I've talked to people about music and I'll be like, oh, I love this song because of this, and they'll be like, oh, but I love the bass line, and I'll be like, I haven't even heard that yet. Yeah. Like, so the idea that if you're leaving out complex music and you're leaving out all of these other choices, you're actually kind of disservicing the listener because the listener wants all of these fun things. They want to be able to look for the little magical surprises in the song, I think. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've been saying that. I say the exact same thing, actually, that everyone listens to music differently because it's really true. And what's really interesting to me is going back and listening to older songs that maybe I'm really familiar with, Mm -hmm. really focusing on it and catching a beat or a rhythm that I didn't notice before, and then you can't unhear it, and right? You, yeah, like, once you've noticed something in the song, for better or for worse, then that's all you hear. I remember there was some pop song. I can't remember what it was. It might have been a Lady Gaga song. I like her music. I actually happen to be a fan, but it was one of the singles that I heard, and there was one synth line that I kept hearing in the background that, if you're not paying attention, just blends with the background. But right. Because I kept hearing that note, it kept putting me off and it was nothing to do with the song it no. was just me hearing that one note and I couldn't like and that ignore was one it. guy's decision in the recording studio to put that note in there and now it's driving you crazy and you it's know? and it's not the fault of the song it's no. how hyper focused I am because mm-hmm. you can't ignore things once you've noticed them like no that. exactly and and I think that's how a lot of different people either enjoy songs or don't enjoy songs like I'll find for myself, I can be very attracted to poetic mm-hmm. literary music, and that can just drive some of my bandmates crazy. They're like, I don't get it. Why is it so complicated? Why is it so wordy? You know? So, like, you never know what you're going to like. And I think that that's also when you said, like, my album goes over almost a bunch of different styles of mm-hmm. music. That was kind of uh, my point with the original album. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be releasing more albums later, but the idea was just to kind of show people the scope of what was available. Sure. And then see what people react to yeah. and gravitate towards. And then, you know, based on my life, I guess, write more music. I, I, I don't really plan out, like, I'm going to sing pop now. It's more sure. like, what do I feel? What's my emotion? And then I'll let out emotion on sound, and that usually creates a song. So... Um, I follow just emotional sound versus like stylistic choices, I think, a little bit more. Yeah, I feel like also probably most artists that we put in boxes now didn't set out to like, like my favorite example always is Panic at the Disco, who I mm-hmm. really love. They started playing emo music, but I don't think Brandon Urie at any point went, I'm going to be a pop star now. I'm just going to write pop music. He just started to like more classic rock and then some more pop and rock and roll and just blended like I mean Death of a Bachelor has four different genres on it Yeah, and that might be intentional right to lean into a certain genre Mm -hmm. but I don't think anyone goes I'm gonna go from being an emo band to a pop band No, I think it's just the the way the scene evolves and the way your own tastes evolve yeah or as a person you know I think I think uh, Miley Cyrus uh is a great example of someone who went from like country to pop back right. to country depending on you know who she was as a person and her mood and where yeah. she was in life um and i think it's interesting also with musicians that we try to like you said box them in quite a bit mm-hmm. um because we don't really do that with with other types of artists no a painter can paint you know a wildlife scene and then go next to portraits so nobody's going to bat an eye. But as soon as the country singer sings, you know, a pop song, who does she think she is? Right. You know, we like to, I guess as humans, we like normalcy. We like, you know, once we understand somebody or we think we understand somebody, we want to stay in that comfort zone of where we are. But I think it would be so interesting to hear other 
artists that we're used to doing certain genres, I'd love to hear them try something new. Yeah, you know? totally. I'd love to hear their spin on it because they're always going to have something unique. I think that uh, we want to be able to know what we like and know what we don't like. Like growing up, I thought I hated country music because yeah. I heard certain country artists and I didn't like them. Exactly. And as I got older, I was like, oh no, some of this stuff is really good. Like I was at a I DJ as well and I DJed someone's wedding um, last year mm -hmm. and they had a, an affinity for country music which was not a lot of stuff I was familiar with you know I know more now than I did when I was younger yeah. but she sent me a ton of songs to include on the wedding playlist and a bunch of them are dance songs like yeah. they're country songs but you can absolutely dance to them and totally. I was like it just never occurred to me that you could like there's tons of synth and other kind and you know yeah. beatboxing and all sorts of other stuff in yeah. country now that just it didn't even occur to me that you could mix those things. It's funny that you say that because I had a very similar experience, unfortunately, with country again, where growing <laughs> up in the country, all of my friends liked certain style of country music that I just wasn't gravitating towards. And it wasn't until later on that a friend had reintroduced country to me. And I just think that that's so interesting, too, because it shows you that only certain songs or styles of music play on the radio. Yeah. Like, you, if you really want to look for good music, you kind of have to go down the rabbit hole and search for it yourself because yep. the radio is going to be playing the same four songs, you know, for the next 10 hours on replay. So sure. you might as well, you know, try to find it somewhere else. And I always encourage people to, they say, oh, I don't like that style of music. I'm like, hmm, sit down, see if you can find anyone from that genre that you like because yeah. you might surprise yourself you yeah. know do i want to go to a screamo metal show tomorrow maybe not but would i you know love to meet an artist and talk about why they love that style of music and see you know maybe there's a song i do like you know yeah. somewhere in there you never know um but i think people need to give music a little bit more of a chance like i said we like to stick in our in our comfort zones and a lot of people are like I listen to rock I listen to country it's like just listen to everything yeah the world is full of flavors and colors why would you only eat pizza <laughs> you know why would you only eat chicken like it just sounds kind of crazy to me feed totally. your ears you yeah. know feed them <laughs> that's great I love that feed your ears yeah yeah I mean Spotify has been one of my favorite inventions because they hyperlink to featured artists mm -hmm. um, I listen to a lot of nerdcore hip-hop which is a lot of hip-hop focused on video games TV pop culture cool and the way I discovered it is I discovered MC Frontalot, who's one of like the forefathers of that genre, who who became more well known first. Right. And like on his early albums, he featured all of these artists who now have albums. And so like I would go to their albums and then they featured other artists who featured on other albums and like just yep. click on links down rabbit holes like a Wikipedia hole and just discover a ton of new music that way. Yeah. Also I try and avoid judging artists by just one song. I made the mistake mm. of judging Carly Rae Jepsen based on Call, Call Me Maybe because everybody did, right? Yeah. Back then, like, everyone's like, oh, that one song, it's so annoying. Mm -hmm. You know, and then I heard Cut to the Feeling and I was like, this is incredible. Yeah. This is a great song, but you don't make that connection because you want to just assume a one-hit wonder actually is, is one. one. But because of the access to the internet now, one-hit wonders like we had in the 90s and 2000s aren't quite the same now because you can put out music so easily, especially with stuff like Bandcamp and CD Baby. Like anyone, literally anybody can put out music. Yeah, anyone from your home, from your living room. And, Literally. and yeah. that's incredible to me because then you get kinds of music that you would never expect. No. I mean, like all the SoundCloud rap, these kind mm -hmm. of independent rappers, 
who've been around forever, but people didn't have access to hear them if you weren't in the local scene. Now they're getting play in different places because there's more access. I mean, someone like Little Nas X, who I'd never heard of a year ago, and of course is now everywhere, Blown talking up. about country and mixing, mixing other genres. Yeah. Like, he's someone who saw something and made a song that blew up so many times. He made so many remixes of the same song. And each time it just sold out more than the last is just incredible to me because 10 years ago, I don't think we would have been able to do something like that. I don't think so. Not as easily, anyway. No. No, and you'll hear a lot of studios talk specifically when you're recording about, you know, make sure it's radio playable. Is this radio playable? And it's like, at this point, radio is almost kind of teetering off. Yeah. I mean, I don't listen to the radio as much anymore. Yeah. Now it's podcasts, Spotify, Same. Pandora, yep. YouTube, all of that kind of stuff. So like 98 point whatever is not really on my mind. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, so radio playable, of course you want to make sure it's radio playable because if it is and the radio likes it, you're, that's how you're going to get your biggest audience. But, totally. you know, if, if you're not a radio playable person, don't try to just shove yourself into that box to make it work. It'll never work. Yeah. Do what you love and other people will gravitate towards that instead of saying, I have to make it exactly this way. Your music's never going to sound like you because you're forcing yourself to be something that you're not really. Yeah, sure. um, but I do love, like you said, like the idea that Spotify is out now. I mean, artists can literally create the weirdest stuff from their bedrooms all by themselves. Yeah. And you'll never know what you might find on the, you know, plethora that is the internet. <laughs> yeah. And it's like discovering genres now that I didn't even know were a genre that existed, you yeah. know. Because again, genres are kind of made up words, right? Someone deems it something or maybe some ambitious artist will say that there are a certain genre but like most of it is just it's it's nonsense it's mm -hmm. stuff we make up to categorize things yeah. like my favorite thing is in the video game industry there are video game types that the name of one of the progenitor games is the type like a souls like or a metroidvania they use the name of a game that came along early in the series to describe the series that which, genre which they doesn't came up with it right and it also doesn't really describe anything because if no. you've never played metroid then someone's saying a metroidvania you go well i don't I'm understand go, yeah i have no idea is that a first person shooter <laughs> right. like what are we talking about exactly here? yeah 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 and I, and I find like a lot of music does that too is like they just mash genre names together mm -hmm. to try and convey the sound but like one of my favorite things to do in the 2000s is like the band system of a down got shoved into new metal but if you listen to any of their music it wasn't just the same as the other bands in that genre no. because they used hip-hop because they used r&b because they used soul like they mixed so many other genres with heavy rock that it didn't really have a name and it was always my my example to like break boundaries and be like genres are nonsense because and that makes them unique you know right. without all of those influences they wouldn't be system of a down they exactly. would be somebody else you know what i mean and uh yeah i completely agree with you on that um genres and also music theory i talk about a lot as well i know music theory people are gonna kill me um, but i always say it's a guideline yes it's a rule somebody else made i think that you can sometimes break the rules once you know them and really find originality uniqueness in that and once we start to say to people no you're only rocker no you have to follow this theory the way that it's it is and this is law it's you start taking away originality you start taking away personality yeah. you start taking away kind of everything that's important about music um, because none of us write it because we don't love it right you know none of us do oh, i'm gonna be a songwriter like nobody's nobody's waking up in the morning one day thinking oh this is a good job for me <laughs> like, you know what i mean we're all doing it because we love it and and once you start taking out that personality you start taking out the heart and the soul of the music which is is kind of sad you know yeah and and that's why we do get all of these 
bands that sound exactly like. You turn on the radio and I can't tell what singer it is because they all sound the same. I don't want conformity in my music. I don't want cookie cutter in my yeah. music. If I want to listen to the same thing, I'll pop the same artist in, you sure. know? Totally. But uh, even then, I, 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 want, I want my artists to give me all flavors of themselves and all personalities of themselves. We all have bad days. We all have good days. You know, what do you sound like on a bad day? Totally. What is your music like when you're really angry? Or what is your music like when you're super happy and you think it couldn't get better than this and then something terrible happens, you know, or whatever. Like, the the emotionality of music is so powerful um, and it's almost being, like, sucked out of music in a way. Mm -hmm. And I miss those times that you could put on, you know, like... Uh, just a song and feel exactly what the artist was trying to say um, through the music and through the lyrics. Totally. Um, but yeah, I always, I always argue with people, you know, you start boxing yourself in and then, and then you're going to start losing your originality and losing your voice. And I think we're all here because we want to have a voice, you For know, sure. and especially in the economy and the society that we live in today, I think it's really important that we start branching off and becoming, you know, unique in our own art. For sure, yeah. yeah. I wonder, we were talking about the kind of fade out of the radio and the yeah. not need for the conformity. A lot of artists, I feel like, still do singles mostly so they can put a music video on YouTube. So popular now to you just know. release a single. And also because, like, if you have something like Bandcamp, why work on a whole album over a year when instead every two months you can release a song yeah. and then someone can buy each song and then put it together. And when your consumers are so hungry, too. Yeah. I mean, this is consumer culture where, like, we'll eat something up and then we need something new in the next next hour yeah and, it's and part of binge culture i think too. exactly and i've been it's funny you mentioned that because i've been hearing this a lot from artists too they're telling me now oh don't do another album just put out a single put out a single put out a single <laughs> okay i guess you know but i remember the days when you used to go in and record the whole you know 12 song but they don't want that anymore they just want you know fast music i think um and if you can create fast music with integrity then that's great yeah. that's good for you um and it definitely speeds up your process with with uh getting to know your fans and things like that too. And things like Patreon, yeah. um, where, you know, they can subscribe for a dollar a month and see all the backstage videos or yeah. see the new lyrics that are maybe being worked on and stuff like where we can be really integrative with our artists today. We can be really hands-on as a consumer if we want to be. And, and that's kind of fun too, because a lot of the artists that are taking liberties are looking at what their audience wants and they're going, what do you guys like? What do you feel? Oh, yeah. you want to see me more vulnerable? You want to hear about, you know, whatever. I think it's Demi Lovato. Um, you know, she always talks about her kind of like eating disorders and, mm -hmm. and drug problems and stuff like that. And she has so many um, fans that connect to her because of her weaknesses, not yeah. because of her strengths. Yeah. And that's something that artists need to remember too. It's okay to be human. It's okay to have problems because that's the way that our consumers are gonna actually be able to reach us and touch us. Um, and hopefully you're an artist because you wanna reach out and touch them too in sure. some kind of way, you know? Yeah, I feel like artists who say they only make the music for themselves are lying. Like yeah. you could be, the process could be for you, but ultimately if you're releasing it to the world, then it's for the, for the world, too. Yeah. Like, if it's just for you, then why would you release it? You would just record exactly. it and keep it. And that's also so selfish. I mean, right. if I just wrote a song that <laughs> totally gets my emotions on paper, I want to share that with people. I want sure. other people to experience this cathartic, you know, whatever, too. I think, yeah, when you first write a song, sure, it might be a little bit personal at the beginning. It probably is. I mean, most of us write about personal experience. I mean, I, I would assume all of us do. Um but yeah, I think I think ultimately once you like you said, once you put it online, you're kind of 
you have to share it with the world. If you don't, yeah. then you're then you're being selfish and you shouldn't be putting it out. You know <laughs> what I mean? I mean, props to them, you know, but like, yeah, you want your audience to really be engaged with you, I would think. Yeah. Um, I love hearing from people and fans and, you know, like when you contacted me, I was like, oh, great. This is awesome. <laughs> you know, like I love hearing when people like what I do. Um, so I can't imagine being somebody to release something and being like, oh, it was just for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, you say that, you know, go ahead and say that. But it wasn't just for you. Let's be honest. <laughs> you wanted the attention too. We're all, you know, we're all attention um, people now that Instagram's up and Facebook and that stuff. That's true. Yeah, so. I kind of leaned into that. After a while, you have to just accept that you want to share things with other people no matter what your profession is. And yep. that's okay. Yeah. You know, it's okay to be a little self-centered. To be a lot self-centered is the problem. But like mm-hmm. to focus on your, like there's this this turn away for a while of like it was bad to have self love and self confidence, and now it's almost doing. I don't know if that's it's where you're going. Well, it's, but it's kind of like the, the other way where it's like I only care about me and like 2020. Like if you don't fit in my life, you're gone. Yeah. Like you know, it's like oh wow, okay. Like it's great to you know love yourself, but it's also great to give to others and give back. I know? think there's a balance, right? Yeah. You, you know, you I have think to too much yourself, but. Like any food or anything, too much is bad, no matter yes. what it is. And yes. I feel like, you know, and I have to do that myself sometimes. Like towards the end of last year, I had burnout just on all the things I was working on. Yeah. And I had to get off Twitter. I had to get off Facebook because even if you don't, re- like, even if you're not actively anxious, upset, or angry, Mm-mm. you're still absorbing those emotions by reading whatever you're reading. Exactly. And you don't always even realize it until you're burned out and, mm-hmm. like, can't sleep or whatever else it is. Well, they talk about depression culture and how... Yeah. how- Everyone is depressed nowadays because we're always looking at um, the good parts of people's lives. Yeah. We do see the random Facebook person that uses it like a diary and you're yeah. like, whoa, what's happening with your seventh boyfriend <laughs> this time, you know? Um, but most people, I would say, post the 1% of good things that are happening to them. And, yeah. and that's why I encourage artists and I even, you know, struggle with this and, and I force myself to do this a little bit where it's like, if something bad is going on, try and be honest with people. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be an annoying presence. But at the same time, like I said about Demi Lovato, like you never know what one of your fans is suffering. She was going through drug problems and like she said that to the world and and she gained so many fans' respect because of that. So you sure. never know... What's too personal, you know? Um, but definitely, yeah, I'm not about the culture of just me, just me, just me. I think it's it's us, you yeah. know? I'm more about the us, the village, the For people, sure. you know? The, the, the tribe of people or the pride of people, you know? So um, I like to see us all working together. Rome wasn't built in a day, but it wasn't built by one person either. Correct. And I could have, as much as I wrote, you know, the lyrics and the melodies to all these songs and stuff, I would have never been able to get it all together without your name, um, put, getting rounding the people up for me and getting everybody in where they need to go. And, you know, I would have never been able to get anywhere without all of the people that helped me here. And, totally. um, and even just the friends and, and, like you said, the listeners who find you on Spotify and share you, yeah. you know, the, and it's so easily shareable now. Like Uh I try and post on my Instagram stories whenever I'm listening to something I like, especially if it's an artist that maybe people don't know because you never know who's going to click on your story and Mm -hmm. click through to Spotify and listen to that track. Yeah. And my favorite artists have always been found by like one random person saying, Mm -hmm. listen to this weird song. And then you're like, Oh my God, I love this person. How did I not know about this? Yeah. Yeah. And then the rest of the world kind of catches on. I I know Wolfpack. I don't know if you've heard of them. Yeah, I have. Um, But they released thrill of the arts and a couple of years ago. And I remember 
uh, finding it when they had first released it. Mm-hmm. And I was telling all my friends about it. And then I think like seven or eight months later, it was everywhere. everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like that's all people were talking about. And I was like, wow, like word of mouth goes goes fast. Yeah. And as soon as you release something that people like, one person hears about it, it's like a domino effect. You For know? sure. Yeah, growing up, I listened to a lot of K-Rock, and like I, I swear that I heard Linkin Park first. Like I swear I was I the know, first person. I know, you're always like, I did it first. It was first. me. Like, <laughs> it was I, me. <laughs> I, I heard closer, and I was like, oh my god, this is melodic, and oh. there's screaming, and there's raw emotion. Like, who is this band? What a great example of a band that throws genres together, too, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and like, uh, then, and then, like, I was uh, back when you listened to the radio, I kept hearing that song. So then I went and bought the album. I felt like I was the only one who knew about it. And I would tell my <laughs> friends. And then, next thing you know, they're everywhere. Like, yeah. by the time In the End came out that year, like, everyone knew who this famous. band was. It was over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're yeah. a band that I didn't also realize how much I missed until Chester passed away last year. Like, it was one of those things that I had been listening to them and then I fell off for a little bit and then yeah. that happened and I went back and listened to the old stuff and I was like, oh, I still love this music. I just don't listen to it as much. And it's so funny. It's great that you bring Linkin Park up because it's really bringing things full circle, but we talk about emotions and lyrics and yeah. how it's okay to sometimes reach out to your audience and tell them about the bad parts. I mean, yeah. we listen to Linkin Park's lyrics. Yeah. He was screaming for help. Yeah. But how many, and a lot of us feel bad now looking back at it and going, oh my god, I committed suicide, like, we should have been listening. But the thing is, we were listening, and there were thousands and thousands of people who healed from him. And maybe it didn't work out for him, but he helped change so many lives through his music because he was honest, because he was screaming about how much he hurt. I know that when we were kids, we were probably screaming along, you know, when our parents grounded us in the bedroom, (laughs) and we were like, this life sucks, whatever, you're overdramatic, you know, but, but at some point you realize there are songs that got you through the hardest points in your life. Maybe, you know, the music wasn't able to save him, but maybe it was able to save his audience for sure and that's kind of why we were just talking about like not being afraid to tell your fans about stuff not being afraid to write your truth and not being afraid to mix genres because no rocker ever thought they were going to listen to rap in the 90s until that hurt until that like happened and then everything flipped on its axis i mean lincoln park almost took us from the rock and roll punk emo stage into the new hip-hop r&b genre because it was around then that that stuff kind of started being radio playable as well. Yeah. Um, so it's so funny to watch how one band can really impact so many people. Sure, especially back then when we didn't have the access of the internet in the same way we have it now. Yeah. Like, I'm less surprised about genre fusions now because of that era. And, mm-hmm. like, people like to rag on Limp Biscuit, but you know what? They did stuff that no one was doing that nobody at that did. time. Yeah, and, and people you know, loved it. And people absolutely loved you it. Know? You know? And I, and I think it's really interesting all talking about doing covers, like their cover of Faith, George Michael's Faith, yes. is just completely different from the original. That's the way to do it. Right. That's and, the way and to it's, do it. And it's really interesting to me how, with modern technology, the way we view genres has just changed so much because it feels more seamless, I feel right. like, than it was. Yeah. Especially since you can write and record with almost anything now. We're discovering so much more about music than we ever knew. And yeah. yet you listen to classical music and you're like, how do you recreate motion like that? You yeah, know? How, did, how did they Fivaldi think about it? <laughs> and all of this. And you're like, whoa. Um, but we are learning so much. And and instruments, like you said, there's so many new things. Mm-hmm. We don't just have a piano and a bassoon to like throw around. We've got like 
all of the synth instruments, all of these instruments that exist only on computers. Mm -hmm. um, now anyone can almost play an instrument as long as you have an electronic device, you know? Yeah. Uh, which I, I think also is kind of scary for a lot of musicians who have spent their entire lives practicing, you know, and sure. then they find out someone can click a button and they're replaced. And that's something that we're all talking about in the uh, music industry where that's kind of scary, sure. you know? Um, but that's why I think in the end, the lyrics are going to come be most important mm -hmm. and shine through because, yeah, you can grab any singer off the street and auto-tune them into perfection. You can, you know, take any musician or any kind of instrument and put it through a program and, and make it perfect. But you can't come up with honesty and integrity and truth through a computer. Yeah. You just can't. And another thing that I, I don't like to do with my music is I really don't like to lean on auto-tune at right. all. I prefer, personally, if it wasn't auto-tuned, I know that some things kind of have to be, especially if it needs to be radio playable and that kind right. of thing. It's just a little minute stuff. But my personal opinion is if you, if you can't sing it, you shouldn't. Right. Um, and I think we, when we see artists live, that usually is when it starts to sure. come through. And we, we were seeing all of these cool artists online, and then it's time to kind of see them in person. And it's so hard to find, you know, shows and where, they're, where you're, you might be able to see them and that kind of thing. So I hope that that kind of changes a little bit more because going out and seeing live music seems to have kind of fallen off the wayside a little bit. Um, I feel like not as many people are coming out to see live music. I mean, I feel like live music, especially in New York, we're seeing such a decline because it was in the 90s and the 2000s, it was just such an active scene, especially since so many scenes had like such active local scenes. Yes. Like for the most part now, the artists I see live are because I'm following that particular artist and I know they're on tour. Like last year I yes. saw Kay Flay uh, in September and I only knew that because I follow Kay Flay on Twitter. She tweeted about her tour. Yep. I went and bought tickets, but mm -hmm. I don't just go to like a local... Bar, dive bar to see whatever local band is playing. No, no, we don't do that anymore, actually. And I mean, that's exactly how I went to see Kimbra. I follow her on yeah. Instagram. She posted about it. I was like, oh, she's in New York. That's amazing. Um, but that is, I think, kind of why it's important for musicians to kind of try and get yeah. out of the house and go see each other's stuff. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, because the more we know about each other, the better, too. And I think that musicians sometimes get afraid, oh, there's another band out there. Like, yeah. you know, we, we're in competition and it's like well you can only make so many songs so fast people have to listen to more than one thing so I wouldn't be so nervous you know like right. it's okay we can be nice to each other uh, we can support each other but I actually run uh, something called New Music New York oh, cool. um, which is basically all of the newest music that I find from local New, New York musicians we curate kind of a big show and we put on this big concert series basically oh, cool. yeah it's like a mini little festival series and uh, live bands dancers go-go dancers, prizes, things like that. And we try to put all of the new music um, and original artists that don't really have that much of a following together so that um, it's curated so that basically if an audience member comes in to see the first band, mm -hmm. they're probably going to like the second band and the third band. Like the whole oh, awesome. night's curated so that it's not exactly the same music but next to each other, but it's so close that it's like, oh, if you like them, you're going to want to spend the next five hours here. Right. You know what I mean? And you can pop in and out. Mm -hmm. So um, that I do basically because of what I was experiencing mm -hmm. in New York when I first started here, um, moving from Canada like eight years ago, um, I really didn't know anybody. And I was going out to the music scene and, and just meeting people. And I realized how important it was to have 
friends in the scene and how important it was to have bands that support each other. And once you have a band that supports another band, you'll see how kind people are and how quickly attitudes mm -hmm. change and how much people try to help you out, mm -hmm. you know? So like I said the about, you know, us instead of me, you know, um, it's all I, it's all about community. For sure, yeah. yeah. I feel like there's this pressure to, well, first of all, the algorithms on most social media is broken anyway. But oh. there was this push for a long time when it wasn't or when it didn't seem as pre-programmed that that was how you gained following is by mm -hmm. just putting stuff online, pumping stuff through your social media. And I found more recently, especially since I do so many podcasts, that the way you gain an audience for a podcast is by going to a convention, handing out business cards, and talking to people. Being on the ground. I have more people who have followed me on my Twitch account and on any of my podcasts through personal interaction than yep. I who stay and stick around yes. and are active mm -hmm. than anyone who's found it through social media. We almost forget through the computer screen how important one-on-one -on -one conversation yeah. is, how important it is to be in front of somebody, how important it is to grab your fan's hand and say, hi, so nice to meet you. Thank you so much for listening to me because without them, I wouldn't have a job. You yeah, know what I exactly. mean? So if I, if I can get on the ground and talk to my fans, that's exactly what I want to do. And bands need to start hanging out after their shows too. I see a lot of these guys coming in with no merchandise to sell, running in, running out. No, bring your merchandise. Hang out after the show. Meet your fans. Yeah. Meet people who don't know you. You know, talk to people. Get get contacts. This is something that we all kind of have to do. And I only know about this because I run concert series in New York, so I see right. it happen in front of me, and I'm always telling them, please just put up your Instagram <laughs> handle, your Twitter handle, anything like. Yeah. It's so funny. The fans will come up to me afterwards and be like, I like the band. Like, how do I find out about them? It's like, you don't have any marketing. Out. Yeah, you shouldn't. Ha someone shouldn't have to ask that. Why are right? you playing with no marketing? Like, yeah. where's your poster? Where's your, like, just a little something printed out on a card, guys. Not too hard. <laughs> throw your name on there. Throw your number on there. Throw your email and your website. Get people to come out and see you again, you know? Because I'm sure that they love you and they just want to know how to find you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know that that's hard. It takes a lot of time. Okay. Of course, yeah. yeah. I think I feel for me like uh, most of the bands that I discover these days are either through the Spotify wormhole or if I've gone to see another band live. Like I saw yes. Kay Flay in September mm -hmm. and discovered an artist named Your Smith who I'd never heard of, but she was so phenomenal wow. that I instantly like I made a note in at the concert and then went home and downloaded all of her music and checked yep. out all her stuff. And and that kind of a recommendation at a live show is more because if I vibe with the music live, then I know I'll like the album. Exactly. It's not always the other way around, no. like that the studio will match up with the live, but if I enjoy the live, whatever the quality of the studio album is, I'm going to like it yeah. because I'm going to attach it to the live experience. And you're probably still, yeah, exactly, thinking about that live experience in your head, and that actually kind of makes the music more exciting, I find. Yep. The bands that I have seen live first are usually the ones that I've ended up loving, yeah. you know, the most. Um, and I do think, like, it's definitely interesting to find a band that you really like to follow and then reach out to them if they're not too big. I mean, I'm not talking about reaching out to Prince or anything, <laughs> uh, but, you know, you go to a local show, you like them, reach out to them. See if, you know, you can do a show with them. If yeah. your music is similar, you could be like, hey, can you headline for this thing that I'm doing? You know, yeah. you'd be surprised what asking 
you know, for help can do for you. And for I'm sure. still not great at it. I could do much more <laughs> of it. Uh, have a little pride, you know, like to do things by myself. Yeah, you know? uh, yeah. Stubbornness strong, will only get you so far. stubborn-willed woman. <laughs> uh, but no, you do. You do have to ask for help. And mentors have been so indispensable for me yeah. in, in the later years. And I, I don't think I realized it until I got a little bit older how important it really is. Which is why I'm always like with the younger bands. I'm like, just reach out to people. They will love you. It's okay. Yeah. Don't be afraid. You you know, they want to talk to you. They want to hear from you. Yeah. I mean, starting this podcast specifically, like, at first I wasn't sure how I would guess, get guests on. And then I just started slowly reaching out to people, emailing, messaging, Twitter, whatever. And you're never, like, again, when I messaged you, I mostly just wanted to tell you how much I loved your music. Yeah. And the fact that it turned into an interview that now I have you here is great. Great. But, and that that couldn't have happened had I not reached out. Right. And the joy for me of even just hearing from you, and even if this hadn't happened I was just so happy to hear that somebody found my music and liked it I was like how did you how did you do this I did it you know so it was so exciting and I think that like fans forget that we love to hear it too yeah, you sure. know we're you doing know it for you I mean like I said at least we hope that you are so right. hearing someone say wow I really love this or I really, it really spoke to me or I connected with this song or something it's just always has such an exciting feeling to it I never get bored of it personally <laughs> I'm like yay thank you so nice 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 to know that you're not doing all this work and that it doesn't go unnoticed basically yeah. but like you were saying and like I was saying yeah it's just reaching out if you had never you know reached out to me if I had never reached out to some other mentors that I've had, um, some of my best friendships have started out by just being like, oh, you're that really, really good guy in that band. Like, that's amazing. Cool. Okay, bye. And then they're like, wait, what? No, come have a drink. Like, <laughs> yeah. If you approach someone just with honesty and respect and go, listen, love what you do, keep doing it and walk away. Watch how quickly they go, wait, 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 wait. Um, because most of the time they're annoyed that people are, you know, either attacking them or not paying attention to them at all. It's great right. to go up with respect and then watch somebody go, oh, wow, I want to talk to this person more. Um, you know, because when you think about it, they're just people like you. Yeah. You know, and it's they like to be easy. treated like people. It's very easy. And even for people that I've worked with for a long time now, I still get in my own head sometimes and go, that's so-and-so. I can't yeah, believe it's them. I Which can't believe it. A healthy amount of that is fine. Yeah. But you have to remember that they're just folks like you. Like, I uh, I don't know if you've heard of the burlesque performer Tigger, um, but he is a legend in the boylesque scene. Love and, it. like, he's a contemporary. Like, I can call him a contemporary because I've been around the scene enough, and that kind of is mind-blowing to me. And I think it's equal parts awesome that I'm still a little starstruck, yeah. but also that I'm not, and that I feel comfortable talking to him, and that we get along. And I think having that kind of magic, I want to call it, like in your social circles, I think is really important. I totally agree. And actually, that's the reason that I called myself Miss So-and-So. Yeah. Um, because in uh, New York, as you know, with burlesque or with any kind of performance sort of thing, you kind of mm -hmm. have to have a stage name. So everyone was like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't care. I could be Miss So-and-So. I just want to get my music out there. Sure. And and then I kept saying that into my like out loud and in my head. And then I just started imagining how silly it would be to have like a woman walking down the street with a bunch of cameras, going like Miss So and So, Miss So and So over here. <laughs> um, and I just thought it was hilarious, so I decided to go with it because it's kind of like a 
little bit of an F you to my feelings on, on fame. And sure. my feelings on like, I'm not more important than you. I really am not. I'm <laughs> an ordinary person, you know? I have bad days just like you. Like, I'm not special in any way other than I am good at writing music. But there are a lot of people out there who are good at surgery. And it's <laughs> something that I could never do in a million years. So I don't take myself too seriously. That, I think that's important. Yeah, I, I do. I think because once you get that diva mentality, it's like, why would I even want to follow you as a fan if, if, if I if you like don't care you don't care about me I mean that we I mentioned Rivers Cuomo earlier he was someone who famously like was combative with his fans and then in like the mid 2000s came around and like issued formal apologies and was like look I wow. didn't know I was in a bad place or whatever like I know how important you guys are and like now he's just this lovable dork who loves interacting with the Great. audience he probably saw his uh, his reviews of um, money going down <laughs> after a little while and he might be like mm, maybe I should get my fans back I don't know <laughs> I mean, you know, it only goes so far, that kind of bitchy attitude. It sure. only gets you so far. And and people love a good show. Like, people love, you know, a persona, mm-hmm. like Lady Gaga or whatever. But yeah. I think the real reason that we listen to music is to connect to something that we don't understand completely ourselves. Sure. And uh, to connect to other people. And how can you connect to someone if they're, if they're not really being honest? You sure. Know? Well, and even someone like Lady Gaga, who has this showmanship also was on SNL and took the piss out of herself. Yes. Has done acting yes. as herself. Like Exactly. And like those kinds of things show that she's a person who, while she has this persona that's so over the top, she also, there's a real side to her that she yeah. doesn't mind sharing as I'm well. I'm pretty sure she calls her fans her little freaks or little monsters <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah. I like love that because it's still her being her. You right. know, it's just her own unique way of that. And we can't be Lady Gaga. No. And Miss So-and-So will never be Lady Gaga because I am not Lady Gaga. <laughs> but... What what are you as an artist, or who are you? I should say sure. as an artist, you know, and decide that for yourself, but also be as, as honest as possible with yourself, because you'll discover more through your music if you just let yourself. Yeah, we know nothing, you know. <laughs> Let's just enjoy that not knowing and yeah. like find our way through it, and let music lead us there, you know. For sure, totally. Um, but we go in going, I know exactly what I want or how to do this or whatever. You're gonna cut out so many exciting things that you might have discovered if you just left the door open. For Sure. You know, don't box yourself in. Yeah. Boxes are for cats. <laughs> yes, cats do, in fact, love the boxes. Yes, they do. They really do. Um, if I fit, I sit. But, yes. <laughs> but we do not fit, so we do not sit. Correct. Children. <laughs> Probably the wisest thing ever said on this podcast. Yes, right? <laughs> um, I want to go back to your album for a bit. So, yeah. um, so it came out last year. It I did. have to assume you're working on new music for this year? I am. So it came out last August. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, self-produced. So I haven't really had the... I'm an immigrant originally, mm-hmm. but I have my green card now. Woo! Yeah. Um, thank Welcome. you. Yeah, so exciting. <laughs> um, so I've spent a lot of money on that. So I haven't had enough time to spend money on marketing mm-hmm. for the album. So what we're going to be doing this year, starting in February, is uh, starting to do a lot of New York shows. Mm-hmm. Um, starting, like I said, to connect with the fans a little bit more, get the music out there. We might do a couple Philly shows around here. Oh, cool. Um, and then, basically, yeah, we're going to be releasing a couple of singles. Oh, nice. Awesome. Are you planning on making some music videos? Uh, yes. Excellent. Um, a awesome. lyric video or two. Cool. You know, awesome. we're yeah, getting sure. into it. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those things that I was, like, waiting so long for this album to happen and it took about five years to finally get all the funds together to do it and once it was finally released I was like so relieved and <laughs> right. then like four months have passed and I was like oh god maybe I should, should do something, do something else <laughs> 
but you know, it was it was so good to finally release it in August. It just felt like a long time coming. And I kept telling my friends like, oh, I'm releasing it in a couple months, in a couple months, like seven years later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's good. It's good. And, and since it took me so long to release that album, I've written so many more songs. I was I was gonna say since that when it was the works for so long, you must have run, written a ton of songs that aren't even oh on it. Oh my god! And it's so funny to look at the songs now and think that they're old when yeah. like literally no, no one's, one's heard, heard them. them. Yeah. <laughs> I was just talking to a friend of mine who has some amazing music as well. His name is Jeff Jacobs, and uh, he wrote this beautiful song called "Row" that I really love. And um, he was saying, "Oh well, you know, I think." I think it's time to put it away. And I was like, do you know how many people have actually heard Row? <laughs> like, you might be sick of it, but the whole world still has to hear that music. So you better get comfortable with it. If you're gonna if you're gonna write a song, you gotta get used to playing it for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there are artists I've discovered, like there's a, a rapper that I like named Shafe the Dark Lord, and there was one song he played called Tom Girl all the time whenever I was at his shows. And I the, after seeing him a few times, I was like oh, well, which album is that song on? It's my favorite. And he went, oh, I haven't put that on an album yet. I've had that song a while, but yeah. it's for another album. And I was like, what? Yeah. It is, has since come out on a record, but like, it's funny to me interacting with artists and like having a favorite song going, great, I can't wait to go listen to them right? like, about that. You it's can't yet. It's so funny, <laughs> which is great though too, because you probably were like looking back every now and again, seeing when it was going to be yeah, released, totally. which is kind of a little bit of a candy cane for the kids. Like, come here, yeah, I've got yeah. something for you. Um, but it's, yeah, and that's what's basically going to be our shows in February is you're going to hear the whole album, but you're also going to get a couple of surprises in there and some uh, new tracks. One of them is called Viper that I'm very excited cool. about. Cool, awesome. Um, and a lot of new sounds too. I think one of the songs I pretty much rap the whole time, which is That's cool. so different. That's really cool. Yeah, so it's like I'm just having fun, yeah. you know? Like, why not? We only live once. If you guys don't like it, then you don't like it. You can tell me and I'll try something new. But, like, honestly, I want to go out and have fun and see if you guys have fun with it, too. And that's if you cool. do, then I did my job. Well, yeah. I'm excited to hear that I'll be able to see you live in, in February. I'm yes, looking forward to that. That's, that's awesome. going to be so fun. I can't wait to have you. And you have a lot of experience with live events. As yeah. I recall, you said you were also, also producer burlesque show. Yes. So I have a company called Full Bodied Sound. We're a non-for-profit theater company. Uh, and we do live vaudeville burlesque shows uh, for Alan Cumming at uh, Bedlam. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. And uh, those are, one of our shows going on is called Ringmaster's Wretched. And it is basically a giant burlesque circus with oh, nice. live music, trombones, trumpets, the whole gambit. Um, and a pole dancer actually named Christopher Kyle, mm -hmm. who uh, is the American silver medalist for pole doubles. Wow. Um, so he is our main pole dancer and also our main um, contortionist slash acrobatic is uh, Spooky, mm -hmm. um, also known as Michael in the, in the New York scene. So he uh, is incredible as well. And he won uh, the Guinness World Book of Records for uh, acrobatics. Oh, wow. So we have some really That's cool people in cool. there. That's pretty cool. And actually, you'll hear my songs in that show, too, because uh, we do Watching Me in that show. So a lot of the music I write oh, ends cool. up getting put in musicals um, or just random shows. I uh, just wrote some new music for a musical called Truffles on Off-Broadway right now. Oh, awesome. Um, it won third place for Things to See this winter. That's cool. Yep, right behind Ain't Too Proud and the new Alanis Morissette musical. 
So nice. we're the only off-Broadway show on the list, but we made third. That's so, pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty neat. Um, so there's a lot of new music being written. And whenever it's written, I just throw it out there and see what happens. You know, whatever sticks, past the sticks to the wall. You sure. know what I mean? And so it, it is going to be so much fun. And when you do come to see my shows in February, you'll probably get a lot of special treats because I never just do a show. <laughs> I always throw in some some special performers and dancers. Oh, cool. and That's awesome. Anything, yeah. So... I noticed a lot, actually, I think it was about three or four years ago when I was touring these songs before we had recorded. And um, I noticed, like, getting, like we said, getting people out to bands is hard these days. But getting people out to events, right. it's a little bit easier. If it's a spectacle. If it's a spectacle, people will come. Yeah. So I throw, like, with New Music New York and my band and everything else, like, that's how all of this was created. My theater company was literally an accident. It was me going, not enough people are showing up. I need to affiliate with Groupon. I need to affiliate with all of these things. I need to curate a show yeah. that people will come to see. And then next thing you know, it was in the newspapers, and then I I had to certify the company after <laughs> that. Like, it was like, whoops. But it's one of those things where, like, if you are a musician and you are planning to go out and make shows, like, what's going to bring people to your show? What's so exciting and special? Because there are so many bands out there right now playing in every New York bar at the moment yeah. you and i could throw a stone and find a bar to go sit at and listen to some music right for now. sure yeah um so the idea of like how are you going to market it to your fans and why is it special and i think we all have to start thinking about that because the industry is changing yeah you know? and i don't think anyone really has the answer on how to market either like i think like we said earlier like face-to-face -face is always going to be best yeah. but as far as online or you know how you sell it how you market it all of that is constantly changing, you yeah. know. We can't, you know, remember there was an age when pop-up ads showing up in your web browser, like, they thought that was the answer. People would never get annoyed never by know. that. And, like, it, it's funny. You don't know what you'll click on. Like, I, like yeah. we were talking off-air. I discovered you through a mutual friend, Venetrix, on, who's a burlesque performer who I've been working with a magical a little bit. She's hilarious. Wonderful. I, to her face, <laughs> call her my favorite idiot because yes, the nonsense she, she comes is. up with is just phenomenal. She's my dumpster princess. I love her. <laughs> She's so great. <laughs> she is. Um, at, we did a sci-fi holiday special show in December, oh. and she did a duet with one of my co-producers, Betty Brash, uh, yes, uh, Han Betty. Solo... Um, Princess Leia duet. Oh, I love it. And was it, she Han? She was Han. I and Vanatrix was Han. I freaking knew it. And it, was, <laughs> and it was phenomenal and silly and goofy. Um, oh, but like the humor is just, I love it. Like I like sexy burlesque, but I prefer really dumb, hilarious. Nothing burlesque. is sexier than a comedic woman, right? I mean, I agree. You know, walk out in a big, you know, hamburger suit and strip <laughs> for me, and I am so there. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned hamburgers. If you've never seen Tiger Bay's. So there's a performer named Tiger Bay in the burlesque scene. She does a hamburger baby act where she just comes out in like a, I think it's a muumuu wearing a hamburger oh, mask. Oh my god! And then just gives birth to little hamburgers. Well, that's so cute and but weird then, and, and creepy. And then eats them. I and think. And eats them. Okay. <laughs> I, I saw so something very similar to that. We might even be thinking of the same person. They, yeah. Were they apples? No, uh, no, I don't think so, okay. but that sounds... Yeah, because she birthed babies and they were made out of apples <laughs> um, that looked like babies. And then she started eating the apples and spitting them all over the stage. People were screaming. It was hilarious. That's amazing. So many people were disturbed. I was front row excited. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things, like, like you said, like, you never know what's going to work. And the hamburger act, I mean... 
how honest is that? Right. Who else would do that? Right. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So, like, be yourself. You never know. There's no other hamburger you, you know? <laughs> exactly. Totally. <laughs> um, before we wrap up, first yeah. of all, thank you for being on the oh show. Oh, my God, this Matt. Thank you. It's been so much fun. I can't wait to do something like this again. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. When you have stuff to promote, you can come back anytime. Um, or come on one of my other three podcasts because right I don't have hi. a life. Um, <laughs> where can people most easily find you? Your music, and if they want to buy it, what's the best way to spend money? Beautiful. I love those questions. Okay. So the best way to find me is on Instagram or Facebook at Miss So-and-So Music. Um, You can also find my theater company slash burlesque company at Full Bodied Sound, like a wine, full bodied. Mm. Um, And let's see, uh, the best way is probably via Patreon donation. Okay. Um, Even though it's super exciting to buy the album, and I love that people do, it really doesn't amount to much once all of the people have grabbed what they needed out of my pocket. Right. Um, So anything that you can kind of... And there are two options for donation. One option for donation is to donate directly to me as an artist for songwriting. Um, And the second option is to donate directly to my not-for-profit theater company. And that goes towards... the shows specifically and not towards me that goes towards all of the burlesque shows that we make new music new york which is our festival series um it goes towards creating new musicals and that kind of thing because we're on for the next we want to win a tony award next that's awesome do it so we're gonna make a musical (laughs) (laughs) and you said that the off-broadway show is called yes so that one's on right now it's called truffles Truffles. um and i have two songs that i wrote in that one and um believe it or not it's been running off Broadway for five years now, which that's is awesome. Wacky. That's crazy. I've never had a, a acting job that's lasted so long. <laughs> I'm used to like you know uh, artists. Anyways, you might know when you book a job, it's like you might have two months if you're lucky, and then yeah. you're looking for a new job because that's how long shows last. Right. Nobody thought this little show about truffles would make it so freaking far. I'm telling you, it's crazy. We just revamped the whole show. That's awesome. Um, we're on at the Secret Room, which okay. is uh, 48th and 8th, right on, literally right on the Broadway Strip. Um, yeah, and it's it's a super fun show about truffles. I play this um, stepmother who is married to a very rich older man. Um, I would like to say that I'm a mix between uh, Moira from Schitt's Creek <laughs> and uh, a little bit of Moira and a little bit of, um, oh, who's the girl from Will and Grace? Oh, oh. Um, Katie or Katie or No, um, now I'm not going to be able to think of it, but I love I love her and her husband. Yeah. So uh, uh, Karen. 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 I knew it was the case. So she's a mix between Moira and Karen, I would say. So mm-hmm. she's a whole lot of fun. Um whole lot different than me but also has some of the some of the same tendencies. some of it comes from some you truth. know she's psychotic and i think i can i can get myself there at some point um yeah so it's it's great and it's uh it's a wonderful musical i should get you a ticket actually i would love that yeah, thank I'd you love, i would love you guys to come you and your wife thank you we would love that yeah um well thank you again for being on the show thank you, this Matt. was fun um 
what I love about a good conversation is that I've forgotten half the questions I was going to ask because oh, well, we're just talking really well. So you'll have to come back because I'll have more questions. Perfect. I'll um, have more answers, I'm but sure. But the last thing I'll ask you to do is we have a saying on the show that is born out of my music review show that's now in hiatus, and it's music is life and life is good. It's this idea that if you're making good art, life can't be that bad. Ain't and so we, we say music is life and life is good to sign off the show. So if you would oh, do that, that for me, I would love that. Sure. Thank you so much, Matt. Music is life and life Life is good. That's it for this episode of Crash Chords Autographs. Our theme music is by Michael Kill. Our logo was designed by Case Aiken and Joey Amans. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Facebook. You'll help us reach more listeners. Questions, comments, or guest recommendations? Email matt.storm at crashchords.com or hit us up on Twitter at Crash Chords Web. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Victor Devon, and I am the host of We Burlesque, the podcast. Every Monday, I talk to fabulous denizens of nightlife, including burlesque performers, both seasoned and new to the form, drag performers, performance artists, DJs, and artists who make up their respective scenes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Please visit WeBurlesque.com to check out episode recaps and see all the formats available. And remember that music is life. Life is good. <laughs>